Hi, and welcome to episode I 18. Knew he, I knew, I swear, I knew he was going to do that. Kevin, uh, do you understand what he just did? That's Jewish. So it, was, it was Yiddish. He, it's Hebrew. First yeah. of all, it's Hebrew. Yeah. Or Hebrew. I was speaking Jewish. Okay. To Barry. Very good. My brother. You know. Chai means life. You know what, so you know to, what I'm going to do? Chaim. To I'm, life. I'm filing a complaint with human resources and the fact that I am being uh, shut out here by the two Jewish members of the podcast. Let's go. Let's let's okay. move on. Yeah. All right. Welcome into episode 18 of the Upon Further Review podcast, which is about Rangers baseball today. I'd like to make a uh, – this is Kevin Sherrington, and that's Evan Grant, and, and that's Barry Horn. And, and today being Tuesday and coming off the Rangers' walk-off walk win Monday night. Let's sit, let's get everybody in the right frame of mind. But right. I'd like to update everybody on, on something I brought up on a Cowboys podcast, which was the uh, the quarterback that, they, that Jerry oh Jones drafted. That was Bill Musgrave. Fourth-rounder, oh, Okay, okay. You want to bring up Brandon Whedon, too, because he played for the Yankee, the Yankee organization? I, I am trying to answer those inquiring minds out there for all the people all right, who not, want to okay, know, okay, let, let, let me answer something to you. Up. Brandon Whedon will be 32 this uh, fall. Can, can we get the baseball? Go right ahead, Mr. Okay. Baseball. The Rangers are a, uh, a game out of the wild card, and they are three games out in the American League West. Are they a playoff team? Yes. I have to agree. Although, could you expand on that? No, well, the Rangers, like, ask me it's what time of the week you ask me, uh, are they a playoff team? If they, if they go out and they lose the next three games and, and don't score any runs, I'll go, no. I'll I honestly no. gave this response to somebody yesterday, the same exact thing. You just, it depends on the day of the week because when that bullpen. I just said that. When that bullpen, when Deakman and Dyson are on and you can get the game to them and, and get it to Tolleson, all of a sudden, it's like okay, they can they can string some wins together. What did what did you think about bringing Tollison in when they brought him in when they brought him in yes when Bannister brought him in yesterday? With that, with they were he didn't have a lead. When, but you're when at home. Oh, okay. I, I just want, I just want to make sure that's the absolute right call okay. at, at home. I mean you you don't want to you don't want to like give up a run in the top of the ninth there, and then you may not get a chance for for your clo- for your best reliever to pitch. This is the, the tie game in the ninth inning. Is at, at home absolutely the right call? And I think Jeff Bannister has, you know, the quote unquote book has been well. You don't use your closer on the road in a tie game. I think that a lot of thinking on that has changed. And we saw Bannister use Tollison in a tie game in Seattle in a game the Rangers ended up winning because he brought him in to face tough hitters in the Seattle lineup with the Rangers' higher leverage hitters coming up in the next inning. And I think that's how you look at when you want to use your closer on the road. Here's just one thing I want to know. When you and Jeff Bannister are alone early in the day, just you and he in the office. Please don't bring that up. Do you call him Banny? I really I, – I, I, I've called him Banny on occasion. It's you Don't know, do that anymore. It's it's a baseball thing. I, 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 it's a hockey thing too, right? It is. I, I don't understand. It's, this a, is, it's a little effeminate. It is. It's It's – this is the level of creativity of us sports journalists and baseball people is we add a Y to a syllable in a guy's name, yeah, and thus we have a nickname. Yeah. So right. you would be horny. <laughs> That's enough of that. Okay, we're moving on. And you'd be Sherry. Yeah. All right, look, here, here, here's my point. Going back to— What's up, Sherry? Let me try to get some baseball into this conversation. 
Here, here's why I feel that the Rangers, all year long, they, they have been a team. They, they play good for a stretch, poorly for a stretch, all year long. So you would the question would be, why wouldn't they just continue to do that and end up being a 500 team? This is a different team. It is, and that and that that's my that would be my point. You got you you all of a sudden you fortified the bullpen. Uh, you got the impending return of Derek Holland. You got Martin Perez continuing to develop. You you would uh, from the Rangers' standpoint, obviously, you would hope that Cole Hamels is is at some point going to be Cole Hamels. He will, he will win. Who will win a game first? Let me ask you this: this for the Rangers this season, Derek Holland or Cole Hamels? Derek Holland because he's pitching tomorrow night Wednesday against night. against a team that, by the way, has the worst body language of a team that I've seen in a long time. The Mariners do not look like they care. I know the Rangers are three and seven against Seattle at this point in time, but they've got at least nine games left. I'm not sure if it's nine or ten with Seattle. I think that's a very good thing because this team, by the day, looks like it cares less and less about playing the game. Of baseball. Are they? Will they have a new manager next year? Is that what you're I saying? Say, I don't know how long. I don't know. I mean, but I think that that there's got to be some management changes in Seattle. The, the GM it, as well. Yeah, it, it's just not been a good system. Well, he, he made a brilliant trade with the Rangers. Didn't he make a brilliant trade with the Rangers when he got smoke? Uh, yeah, smoke and, is and, and, actually and, contributing but, 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 to Toronto now. But, that Toronto. Was but 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 every but everybody here was oh my god they give up too much for Cliff Lee smoke and Let, not let's me. stop okay minor league players are minor league players until they prove otherwise it's great that Nomar Mazzara has has prodigious talent he's going to have to show it in the big leagues same thing with Gallo same thing with Chichi Gonzalez these guys are all prospects and prospects are great things to have but your ability to win in the short term in baseball is so difficult. And when you have that opportunity in front of you, you can't ignore it. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's get back to the, the point you were making a while ago about the, the Mariners. You watched that game last night. A couple of things that really stood out to me was uh, Odor uh, taking second on the, on, the, on the ground ball through the right side of the infield. Nelson Cruz, well, Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz was playing, playing exceptionally deep. deep there. Because he didn't want a ball to go over his head. Uh, oh, but that's uh, true. That's uh, I, thought, I thought exactly the same thing. He was playing no doubles defense there, and he was a little bit casual and going after the ball. The second part of that is that Robinson Cano could not give a flip about baseball right now, if you ask me. He looks that way almost all the time. Yeah, it's it's. this is a guy that they've invested $240 million in, and it doesn't look good. It is not a good look. Well, no. Maybe, maybe I, the Rangers could get him next year and, and have Seattle pay his – Pay half his salary. Just but he, like, he never played for the Rangers. They're only bringing back the guys. That well, Cole Hamill's never paid for the Rangers. Well, that either. was a that was an arbor. But Cliff Lee arbor- did, and he was in Philadelphia, and there's six degrees. Okay, let, let's let's talk about let's talk let's, Evie. Let's talk about let's talk about the Rangers. Okay, Horny. Now. So this team is is greatly changed, and I did think from day one that if you looked at the schedule and you looked at how this team shaped up, would the uh, would the ability that Perez would be back. You didn't know that Derek Collins was going to go out after one inning, but after that you found out that he could potentially be back at the end of the year. The two things that you thought, okay, there are going to be some fresh arms here. Fresh arms, it does take those guys a couple of games to kind of find their rhythm and everything, but in September those fresh arms pay dividends. Would you feel good going into September counting on Derek Collins now? Counting on Derek Counting Collin? on Derek, yeah. I, I think I feel I think I feel that Derek Holland is a capable number three starter. I I don't know that he, he was started good last September. I, I, last September, again, it's five starts. This team, it, nothing mattered last September. He did come back very sharp. Did come back. What I liked was he came back very composed, very poised, and wanted to make a point. 
And if he does that again this year, then this team is really going to have an advantage. Second part of my formula was this team has a lot of games left at home. It has more games left at home than Houston or the Angels. And so that's an advantage in this division, especially given the fact that they're now winning at home. They've won eight straight at home and 11 of the last 12. They've outscored opponents by, I think, 24 runs in those 12 games. So uh, this team is playing well at home and turning it into an advantage. We always talked about the heat here and how this team didn't make the heat a home field advantage. I think they found a way to do it. Jeff Bannister has done a really good job of kind of metering how much time these guys spend on the field in the heat, whether it's taking the day off from BP outside. They've gone so far as, I think, three straight days at one point in time when it was over 100 before the game to not take BP outside. They've stayed fresh. And even when they're outside for BP, it seems like it's a, a shorter, crisper kind of, of period that they're, that they're out there for. I think the, the most telling thing about the Rangers this year and you, is you try to figure them out because they've been very difficult to figure this year. But a couple of really telling stats to me was that, A, they were very good against teams with a, a, a records of a 500 Correct. or better. Better than the teams that were Yes, and they were very good on the road. So when they were not winning at home, uh, really, what do you read into that? I, to me, that's just an aberration. That's just something that, that uh, you, why, do, why would a team lose at home? There's no reason for that. Right. Unless, I don't know, unless their home was polluted by the EPA or something. Yeah, there you go. But I think this team, the fact that it had more home games left than road games for for the great portion of the season has, you always thought they will get hot at some point at home. Didn't know if they'd win 11 or 12, didn't know if they'd win eight in a row, but you, you thought that they would get hot at some point. They have gotten there and... They have added fresh arms both to the rotation and to the bullpen. Let, let me ask you about that because that's the one, the thing that's most interesting to me. When the season started, I gave John Daniels too much credit for building bullpens. That he's done a, a really good job at that. You gave him too much credit for in the past, in the building, past, and yes. too much blame this year for not building one. Uh, well, he didn't build one coming out of spring training. That was a, that was a poor bullpen. Yes, it was. No left-handed uh, specialist. Uh, that was a poor a, a bunch of soft tossers. Uh, what I want to know is, did John Daniels come around on that, or did Jeff Bannister tell him, i got to have some power arms out there in the bullpen? Well, listen, John Daniels has always been a fan of power arms, too. He grew up in the John Hart school, and John Hart likes power arms at the back of the bullpen. There is no doubt that Jeff Bannister likes power arms. But, to Jeff Bannister's credit, he also knows that relievers can come in all shapes and sizes. You would not call Sean Tollison a typical power arm at the back of the bullpen. He's a 93, 94-mile-an-hour well, guy. He was, he was an emergency answer. He was an emergency and, answer and, who's saved 24 out of 25 games. He's been really good. Sure. It, For, Fernando Rodney, he's a power arm, isn't he? Yeah, you know, the thing about <laughs> Fernando Rodney, now, now he's, a, he's an eighth-inning guy now, and obviously he had a very poor game last <laughs> night. Yeah, he also had a very poor ninth-inning <laughs> last night, too. Yeah, but, 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 but he's still a good arm in the bullpen. He's an erratic arm in the bullpen. I mean, what Diekman and Dyson have done, Dyson – 25 to 1 ground balls to fly balls. He has allowed one fly ball since he came here. Are, that was the are they, are, let me ask you this. Are they pitching over their head? Those, I, those, I th- those two. They, they, nobody expected this. Because you I, talk I, about erratic arms. Now, Diekman was an erratic arm with the Philadelphia Phillies. Sure. Diekman was an erratic arm with the Phillies, um, but he's also a power, power left handed arm. And. That plays, I think, in the national, in the American League. Um, you you can challenge guys. Uh, 
there's not a whole lot of book on him from American League hitters at this point in time. So I think that plays as, as an advantage. And the thing is, this guy has the ability to continue to grow as a left-handed pitcher. And, and he's, he's controllable for so long, which is what made him attractive. The name Jake Diekman has been mentioned, whispered to me for months that that was a guy that they would, if they ever consummated a trade with the Phillies, that that would be a guy they'd love to get thrown in. Did Banny whisper that in your ear? I don't tell you what Banny whispered. You know, I would, have, I would have loved to have read that in the newspaper. Uh, well, you read it online, actually. Months ago? Uh, yes. I'm going, Evan, I'm backing you on this. If you say you did it, you did it. What are you, Mr. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, well, I'm just the Gentile in the group. That's all I am. Uh, okay. Well, what about Dyson? Is, is he? They, they didn't expect this from him either. Well, I, I, I think on Dyson, you know, here, here was a guy who was playing for a team out of contention. Um, and I think the Rangers have, have really emphasized your sinker's really good, it's a power sinker um throw it and he's stuck with it and he's 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 commanded the pitch really well and the ground ball i mean the ground ball to fly ball ratio is just ridiculous at this point in time and and the rangers feel like that they've still got hey if you watch that game last night you saw adrian beltray play some vintage adrian beltray defense you've seen elvis anders over the second half of the season play the kind of defense that that we have come to expect from elvis anders. also hitting they they are that they have a legitimate infield defense that they can rely on, and if a guy can get ground balls, they feel like they're going to get outs. I don't want to put too much into this Elvis Andrus uh, development here, the second half here. It, it, uh, what, well, what, on, on offense, he is uh, first of all he's using a heavier bat, and they got him using a little a uh, little bit of uh, of a leg kick here, uh, and and uh, and and that is to do the one thing that that, that Elvis has never been able to do that's use his lower half as a hitter. Well, I think one thing he found with the leg kick, in, in when I, in talking to both he and Dave Magadan, is instead of a big leg, you know, you think of Juan Gonzalez or Ruben Sierra with the big leg kick and striding out. He's not really doing that. He's picking the leg up, getting it down. I wish we, soft. Had, a ca- I wish we had a camera in here so we could watch Evan leg it's, kick. It's very, it's very graceful. He's, he's landing. Grace is the word of the day, by the way. He's landing very soft on that front foot, which gives him the ability to kind of stay focused on the pitch and do some pitch recognition. And because of it, he is now driving the ball. And the second half OPS is a little bit over 700. It's still not great by any stretch of the imagination. But if you if I told you you could get 280, 320, and um, a 710, 720 OPS from this guy with above average defense, then you'd say, hey, that contract, that justifies that contract. That's but all they wanted from him in spring training. That's all they wanted. That's all they wanted from this con- throughout this contract. Now, let's, let's also say this. It has been one month. Elvis is a guy who can drift off focus-wise, but he's focused right now. He's playing the best defense I've seen him play since 2012. Um, it's, it's really gone overlooked, I think, in the second half, just how good his defense has been. Uh, we focused on, on him driving the ball. Hey, He's got six extra base hits in the past three weeks. That's not a ton, but for Elvis, he has sack, a he has sack fly. He's hit long, but ball. he's also hitting the ball sack, hard. He's sack hitting flies. the ball hard. The line drive rate, which is something that this Rangers management team looks at, has come up. He's hitting the ball harder. Is there anybody you credit for this in the coaching staff, or is this? I, listen, I think all the credit in the world at this point in time goes to Elvis because he was he was as big a failure at his position, as anybody was over the past couple of years, he's made some changes. 
and been willing to listen on defense. Tony Beasley helped him kind of change his okay. setup a little bit defensively um, to where he he kind of, you know, with all the shifting and moving around that the Rangers had done, uh, I, I think he had gotten to a point where he kind of closed his shoulder off when he was when he was setting up, and because of it, he was having a hard time going towards the second base side. On on, on offense, he and Magadan have long talked about a leg kick, and Elvis Elvis uh, had a little like step earlier this year, but it wasn't really a kick. Again. I don't think you can leave out the part about the, the heavier bat too, though. Elvis is not going to come up with that idea. That that's a Magadan idea, and I, I think what that does is, is because Elvis is such he a, has not a, told me that it was a Magadan idea. When I talked with him about the bat, and, and he's using Josh's bat, and he said he's using a heavier bat. What Elvis told me. Because the thing for me would be in July, I would think that most more guys would go to a lighter bat because you're starting to feel fatigue, you're starting to feel a little bit tired. Elvis said, you know, this I don't have to do as much work with this bat. And if you notice, he's choking up on it a little bit. So yeah. it's a longer bat and it's a heavier bat, but he's 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 willing to do whatever he needs to do. And it makes some sense that he doesn't have to do as much work. If he's got himself in position and he, he, he gets that step down, Barry. I like that. Right Look here, at that. Look how he does that with that And he gets himself leg. set. The bat can do the, the, the bat and the torque does the work. Right. So Elvis has returned to the building is what you're saying. I'm saying it's been a really good month for Elvis. And let's not get ahead of ourselves and say this is going to be it's great. Really, I still it's think, been, it's I still a, think every, this offseason you may have to consider the possibility that can you deal him to save some money to potentially go out and pursue another need? Because you may have Jerickson Profar ready at that point in time. You may have Hunter Alberta ready to play in the big leagues. And with the Elvis contract and the Chew contract, and we've talked about Elvis. We haven't talked about what Chew has done in the second half, which has been pretty pretty amazing given where he was at the at the end of the first half. I wouldn't say amazing. Well, it's everything. A it's 450 it's, on base percentage? It's rel- everything's relative here. This, this, is, this is the Chew that they hoped – they they were signing. This is a guy hitting 340 with a 450 on base percentage and a 640 slugging percentage in the second half, and he's been on base in 22 straight. But games. that's but that's why he's getting 18 million a year. That's that's true. That, this is the chew they thought they were they, right. they, they were getting when they signed him. But this, obviously, and and over the weekend you saw him tag up on a ball from to center field. This is a guy who was as tentative and as overly cautious and not a good base runner as we've seen here in a long time. And last night. That's the best defensive play he's made in, t- in, in his time as a Texas Ranger, going running after the ball in right field, catching it, planning, making a really strong ho- throw home to save the go-ahead run from scoring. All right, now now that you've told us everything good that's happened, what else can improve with this team? What what's left? We're going to say what could go wrong. No, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm glass. I'm a glasses half full guy today. Glass, I want not glasses. I, I want. Here's what I want to know. Where can they expect improvement? Is there is there anywhere that you one like to- healthy month of a locked in Josh Hamilton in September gives them the division? I think at this point, okay. um, I don't know if you can get a healthy month out of him. Uh, I will say this: the Rangers have gotten six home runs and twenty one RBIs from Josh Hamilton in thirty eight games. The Los Angeles Angels have gotten six home runs and thirty four RBIs from their entire left field position this year. What a great stat! I mean, are you are you making this? I think he's making this. He's no. just saying. He sound you sound authoritative. I, I I looked this up and I tweeted it. If you would pay attention to your Twitter feed, you would have seen it on with, Sunday. With with all the num- with all the numbers you've had, you have everybody's uh, on base percentage. Everybody's op. You have you have everything with you today. And it's what all do you think? I bring original material in here. It's all stuff I've tweeted, Barry. But for old farts like you who don't get on the Twitter and they don't do the Twitter, I have to are you reiterate the Twitter, the Twitter, the Twitter. <laughs> the Twitter. 
No. Yeah, you're so hip. No, well, I, in the Snapchat. Why don't you get on the Snapchat? Snapchat? Oh, yeah, I'm snapping all are, the time. Are you on Mark Cuban's <laughs> Angel down. Dust or whatever? What is it called? Cyberdust. Cyberdust. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you. But I, I just wanted to check. <laughs> Angel Dust. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. You want to give us a set? What? 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 What's the rap song you you you're telling us about? Uh, that would be Trap Queen. And what's the song? That's the song. Oh, what, what, what's the what's the first line? Seventeen thirty-eight. <laughs> this is this is what we're dealing with here. I'd rather talk to old ladies in Richardson. Now you, I, I'm just going to tell you <laughs> that's that, our fan base. You know, all right. So this Trap Queen is a, is a very hot song by Fetty Wap. Who was a rapper from <laughs> love when you say Patterson, that. New Jersey? Seventeen thirty-eight is a reference to uh, Remy seventeen thirty-eight, which is a type of cognac. Anyway, the Kansas City Royals have adopted this as is their this clubhouse this, this song. I think so. I can't hear. <laughs> there you go. So we're sampling Fetty Wap. This is this is breaking ground here on a, on the upon further review uh, podcast. The Royals are dropping 17 and 38 into, like, every quote they give reporters. And apparently, I can't remember now if it was Moustakis or Hosmer the other day, told a, a reporter that the other one, either Moustakis or Hosmer, makes a great play, like, 17 out of 38 times. <laughs> and the reporter goes, that makes no sense. And Hosmer said, it makes perfect sense, because the Royals are just in love with the song. So... Um, the Rangers need can, what insight we have here. Can the Rangers get a, a? I need a theme song to write about for the final month of the season. I don't know anything that that that's been written in the last twenty years. I don't, I don't, Ger, Gershwin is out. Gersh, no Gershwin. Uh, how about Bruce Springsteen? I, I'm I'm thinking that with, with the that Mitch Moreland is not going to go with the uh, with the 1738. What are you saying? I, I'm thinking. That, <laughs> I, that, I, I think maybe, Mitch is the more of a Kenny Chesney maybe, maybe, kind of guy. Maybe we can have some salsa music. Uh, yeah, the salsa music would go over big. They, they they love to dance the salsa in that clubhouse. They do. Show uh, us, Evan. Show us. Show uh, us. I, I, there he is. There he is. <laughs> very nice. This is this is a. I will say this. This is a very based on the time that I spent in the Mariners clubhouse earlier this week and just watching how they interacted and and, and again being reminded of how the Rangers go about things. There are times when you feel like, okay, Elvis is acting like a kid on the field or, or whatever. But this is a very professional clubhouse, and they can they conduct themselves in a professional manner. I think it is all part of, and I know this will make you very happy, Kevin. I think it's part of the culture that Jeff Bannister has tried to instill in this in this clubhouse that there is a mission here, and we are focused on that, and, and they have done a good job of adhering to that all season through the ups and the downs. Because as bad as they played at, at, at times. It could have worn on them, and it could have put this team in, in the kind of deal where they they just were going through the motions. How about Adrian Beltre's uh, contribution there in the clubhouse? Adrian, Adrian is such an outlier for me in so many ways because there's not many. He and Miguel Cabrera are two guys who can go on the field, horse around, act goofy, act stupid, and the next minute lock it in. And that's that's an innate skill that not many guys have. So Adrian is, is, is an outlier, but this team sees – how much Adrian wants to win. They see how much he enjoys playing the game. I do think they follow that lead. I think it can't be stated enough also that they have seen a really professional attitude from Prince Fielder, uh, a really strong approach in, in the way that Prince goes about the game, in the way Prince relates to the younger players like Delano De Shields, like Keone Kella. Uh, and, and I think they, they, they've, I think they've, they've really found 
some degree of leadership from Prince Fielder that I don't know that they ever expected. They expected the guy to be able to hit 300 with 30 home runs potentially. I don't know that they expected this guy to be the kind of force he's been in the clubhouse. I don't know if I've ever seen a player uh, do more. I, I don't want to say that, you know Prince Fielder was a great player. You know, and he was a great player in, in Milwaukee, a great player in Detroit. You know, despite all the complaints uh, from Detroit fans at the end, I think obviously that was a health issue with him a lot. But but let's put aside the health. Okay, lots of guys get hurt and then they come back. He completely changed his hitting approach uh, to take advantage of, the, of these shifts, and and uh, and and now he's hitting three twenty seven. He's been one of the you know, been the top three hitters in the league all year long, uh, and he still has power, not as much perhaps, and probably because he's not trying to pull the ball. But he doesn't. Much. He feels like he can get RBIs without necessarily hitting right. all the home runs, and he's taking those RBIs. And 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 and, and, I, and frankly, I'm I'm fine with his approach right here. And but that's the thing to me is that he has had such a change, not only. From his mental standpoint, because he's healthy, but as, as you said, he's a completely different person, and he seems to be a different person on the field as well. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy at his I, age do that. I, before we wrap up, and it is time to wrap up, I just want to say, yes, Grace has to get back to school. I just yeah. want to say one, one name: Delano De Shields. We didn't even talk about him, and and what a contribution he's made. And, but I think it's time to say goodbye, Evan. It, it is time to say goodbye, and let, let's on, on this out. You'll say goodbye, but I want to know how many wins you end up, the the Rangers end up with at this point, Barry. I'll say ninety. What is this? Goodbye. 90. Garrett, I'll say 85. Oh, 90's ridiculous, but 85 is... is I am going to go with 87. So, 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 so uh, we're playing the Price is Right game. If 90 or above, I win. That's right. And it, Yeah. Okay, congratulations. Evan's uh, kicking also, his foot up again now. Also, goodbye. Grace, have a fun time at school. And producer Brian, we'll see you next week. Do you know what song is?